I should have listened. I should have listened to the traffic report before I got on I-35, headed down South I-35 on Friday to Holy Word Austin, and ended up sitting on a parking lot on I-35. I should have listened when my wife was explaining to me how I needed to contribute to the meal planning and what I needed to put on the grill and the exact times that I needed to put it on and take it off to match the, everything else that she was preparing. I should have listened. I should have listened to the small engine repairman. I took my lawnmower to him and because uh, the pull cord wasn't working and uh, he, he was able to fix the pull cord for me, this, this mechanic. I should have taken it to Krista Schmidt, who knows how to do those things. And I took it to him instead. But he found a couple other things, and he was explaining to me how I should get this, what were the words he used, gasket and diaphragm that somehow make my lawnmower better. And I was like tuning him out. I was not listening, because I'm not even going to get close to doing that. And as a result of me not listening, I experienced frustration in all those three areas. Frustration sitting on I-35 because I didn't listen to the traffic report. It is not that I wasn't doing any listening at all. I was actually listening to my favorite radio station playing 80s music. When the traffic report came on, I turned it off. And so I was just listening, but to the wrong thing. And when my wife was explaining what I needed to contribute to the meal as I was cooking on the grill, I was listening. I just wasn't listening to her. I was listening to the game that was on the TV screen behind her head. And uh, when my mechanic was talking to me about, you know, what I can do to my mower to make it work better, I, I was literally, I was tuning him out. I'm like, I am never going to understand this. I'm never, he's telling me how to go to Lowe's. It'll only cost $4.50. It'll make my mower last for six more years. And I, the whole time I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do all that. I just tuned him out. And my mower will probably break again very soon. So... So who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Our video, when we opened up the service, talked about the importance of listening to God. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians that we're studying today. He wrote it to them because they were doing some listening, but they were listening to the wrong thing. They were listening to some contemporary form of religion that was kind of this mix of Greek mythology and wisdom and, uh, and Jewish uh, tradition and, and worldly philosophy. And it put together this, this false teaching that the church and in, of the Colossians was following, and Paul wrote to them, he said, you know, there's a better idea for your listening. You should really listen to God. Well, how? And how come? And, and how often should we listen to God? Paul answers that in these verses from Colossians chapter 3, as we seek to uh, listen to God more often. So I want to launch right into these. I'll, I'll kind of go phrase by phrase as we work through Colossians chapter 3 and pull out of this what's important for us in our listening to God. So Paul begins, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This whole first section of the sermon is going to be based on that key phrase, rule in your hearts, the peace of Christ rule. And that word in the original Bible language, in the Greek, that word literally means referee or umpire. 
So the Bible is saying, let the peace of Christ be your referee or your umpire in your heart. Let it call the shots. Let it, let it make the calls and you say, okay. Well, that's pretty easy, isn't it? To let umpires and referees make the calls after watching yesterday's game. And it's not easy at all. Uh, it wasn't easy, especially, you've seen, you've probably seen the video in the news or heard about the reports of that, uh, of that game between John Jay High School, Marble Falls, where the two John Jay High School players uh, attacked the referee simply because they didn't agree with his calls and what they say he was saying. Fine, whether he said it or not is not my point. It's how they responded to him. And he's the referee. He's supposed to be the authority making the calls. There's a way to deal with them if they want to. But instead, they didn't allow him to be the referee. They didn't listen to the referee who's the appointed authority over the game. Who did they listen to? Those two players who attacked the referee, they listened to their assistant coach who has since resigned, who told them to make a hit on that referee. They listened to their peers, their teammates, right? All their buddies who were getting frustrated and not getting the calls that they wanted from this referee. And so uh, let's take it out on him. So they listened to their friends, their peers, and they listened to their own inner voice, their own inner feelings. Maybe he did, this referee, say the things that they say he did, racial slurs. If someone says that to you, your, your feelings start to boil, right? Your identity, your self-identity starts to feel attacked. So you feel a certain way. Uh, if you act on those feelings, it may not be healthy. And for them, it wasn't. It wasn't a good idea. So they were listening to three sources that were not true, reliable sources for how to act. So they were their own referees. How does that work for you? Sometimes your thinking is your own referee too. You want to be the one who's making the judgment calls. And I'm not just talking about sports. I'm talking anywhere in your life, right? Your own thinking becomes the referee. Your own thinking rules your hearts. And then you make decisions and, and uh, behave in ways that are based on your own thinking which is suspect to not be perfectly right all the time. Even, even human being referees aren't right all the time. But there is one who is right all the time. So, who do I want to listen to? Do I want to listen to myself? Do I want to listen to my peers? Do I want to find someone to tell me what I want to hear and then listen to that? That ends in frustration. That ends in, in, in being stalled with no place to go, whether it's on I-35 or just in your own life. That ends up telling Jesus, I don't want you ruling in my heart. I don't want you calling the shots in my life. I'm going to do that on my own, thank you. And that's why Paul says here in Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ be your referee not everything else. The peace of Christ is the peace that belongs to Christ, the peace that he won. 
right? The peace that, that he won for us when he came and he lived and died. The peace that exists when he can say to the stormy waters, be still, and he calms the storm as much as he can calm your heart. The peace that exists between you and your spiritual enemies, sin and death and the devil and his temptations that he overcame when he died and he rose from the dead. That peace is the peace that the Bible says, let that peace rule in your hearts. Let it be your referee. Let it call the shots. Um, that peace is expressed in a couple other key verses I want to share with you. One of them is John 14, 27. And it says, peace I leave with you. This is Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you, my peace... I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, if the peace of Christ is the referee in your heart, is ruling in your heart, then you'll have peace no matter what your circumstances. You'll have peace. Peace when the bill comes that you didn't expect. Peace when your boss says... We're, we're done with your position. Peace when you get sick and you can't get healthy. Peace when you can't do for your kids what you want to do for them and what you know is good, but they don't know it. Peace when life gets too busy. Peace when you're not busy enough. The, the peace of Christ right, goes beyond all understanding in all circumstances and keeps us centered. That's that verse. Here's another verse, Jesus speaking again. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. See, how, see the difference there? Jesus says, in me, peace. In this world, trouble. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. So if I choose to find my peace in anything from this world... A personal relationship, a professional relationship, uh, the goods of this world, my home, my job. If I try to find my peace in it, Jesus says, look out because you're going to have trouble. But when everything I look for is in Jesus, Jesus says, you have your peace in me. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So Jesus is the Lord of everything in your world that could take peace away from you. He's Lord of it all. Jesus is Lord of cancer and diabetes. Jesus is Lord of crumbling finances or a plan that you put together that doesn't seem to be working. Jesus is Lord of stress. Jesus is Lord of fear and anxiety. Jesus is Lord of it all with his peace, and he says, I overcome it. Come to me. Let me be your referee. So... When Jesus is your referee, day in and day out, he's making the calls, he's calling the shots when it comes to peace in your world. Then what happens on Sunday is, this is why we love Sundays. On Sundays, this happens in a very special, big way that doesn't happen on any other days of the week. And so Sunday is really the best referee. If we consider Sundays when we're here, hearing about Jesus, worshiping Jesus, hearing from Jesus, the best referee. So I actually got this... This morning, I just had to add this to the slide. Can you read the captions there? There's one church that says, Sermon Series, What God Has Said, and that the other church, What You Would Like to Hear, and all the people are flocking to the church where it says, What You, you Would Like to Hear. Um, that, yeah, that happens, actually, today. Um, certainly, I want people flocking to church, but most important is that 
that Jesus and Sundays is the referee, that Jesus is making the calls, and that we submit ourselves to him, even when our feelings tell us, I don't really like what Jesus is telling me. Let him be the referee. Let his peace be the referee. Even when your friends are telling you, what in the world are you doing following Christian morals and values and being so committed to them? Let Jesus and his peace be your referee. Even when someone in authority makes a comment uh, or, or makes a statement that might agree with what you think is right, but you know Jesus says it's not right, let Jesus and his peace be your referee and you'll be in good shape. Um, this also talk, continues talking about worship. Uh, in the next verse where it says, Since as members of one body you are called to peace. So one call of a referee impacts the entire team. Right? Jesus' call to peace, this verse is saying, impacts all of us as a body, as a gathering, a community together. And so we want his call to peace to impact our entire church, all of us, through and through. All right, now I'm going to switch metaphors here from a referee to a coach. All right, so switch now your thinking from thinking of a referee to thinking of a coach. And the Bible switches that for us as it, as it begins verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly means like to the max, to the extreme. Richly means let the word of Christ dwell in you to a large, great amount. And we need it to be richly, to be extreme, because there are other things that live in your heart. There are other things that dwell in you besides the word of Christ. What? The Bible in Romans seven seventeen says that sin lives in you and in me. That sin is in there and it wants to tell us what to do. It also says that God, for believers, God lives in there. God lives in you. And so what we want is for God and his word to be more richly living in us than sin living in us. And for us to listen to God and his word and allow them, not just to be our referee, but allow them to coach us, to guide us. And that's what God's word does. It coaches us through. What's the best way for you to listen to your coach? To surround yourself with teammates who are listening to the coach too and to do it as a unit, as a group. So this next verse talks about that, or the second half of verse 16. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. When you teach someone, you equip them for something. You might equip them for a career or equip them for another level of learning or equip them for a task at work. Teaching means equipping for. Admonishing means not equipping for, but keeping from, right? Protecting from. So equipping for is like a, like a coach putting together a play that the whole team says, wow, this is, this is something we're going to do. It's going to equip us for scoring. Admonishing is a coach keeping his team from something that could be harmful. So it could be, for instance, a, a college coach making a rule for his team, no alcohol during the season. Uh, obviously, for those who are old enough to have alcohol, no, no alcohol during the season whatsoever. You can't have any. 
Um, this could even be a professional team, any team, that they could if they wanted to, but the coach says, no, I'm going to keep you from it, and we're going to do that as a group. And so it's easier as a group to keep from that when you hold each other accountable. Right? When you're buddies, when you're teammates, and say, we're going to do this together, we're going to keep this coach's rule because it's going to keep us from that, and we're doing it as a group. So the two group places that we are equipped for life, equipped for having Jesus be our referee and our coach, equipped for the tasks that lie before us in the week ahead. There's two gatherings in our church world that are most helpful for that. The first one is on Sundays. On Sundays we gather as a group for encouragement and equipping each other. And we spend a lot of time and effort to make sure that our sound system works and that we have a series of topics from the Bible and that we're equipped for the tasks ahead for the week. And that we are kept from, that we're protecting each other from falling into sin, from falling back into bad habits, and we're there for each other. The second group gathering besides Sunday mornings is Connect Groups. And I just want to put a plug in for Connect Groups. Those are our small group Bible studies during the week. And those groups offer community and accountability and encouragement that are, become referee and coach as God's Word guides those who are around us. And they can help hold us accountable, can give us encouragement, and can help us put this Word of God into practice for the peace of Christ to live in our hearts as referee and for the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Those are two group settings that are very important for that, that apply to that. And then the power of God's Word. The words of Christ's wisdom is your coach through the, through the mouths, through the voices of other people. How powerful is God's word for you? Remember back in, in the Bible how powerful God's word showed itself to be. And if you allow God's word to be your coach, then here's what happens. The power of God's word that created the universe can create a new Beautiful, merciful day for you every morning as you look at your day ahead. The powerful word of Christ that forgave prostitutes and tax collectors, that powerful word forgives you from your worst guilt and shame and sins and promises you the Father's love. The word of Christ healed lepers and the blind and the crippled and the diseased and the word of Christ even raised people from the dead. That word of Christ can heal your, your soul. And that word of Christ will call you from your grave on the last day and raise you from the dead too so that you live forever in heaven. That powerful word of Christ commissioned his apostles and equipped them to go out and take his word to the world and even do miracles, that powerful word of Christ equips you to follow up on your tasks, your various callings, and equips you to, uh, to witness his word and invite your friends to church and to, and to share him with them in your lives. That's the same power of Christ's word that was then, that is still now. Now, here comes our response. Verse 15 says, be thankful. Verse 16 says, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So communication is two-way. God loves us to listen 
loves speaking to us and communicating very clearly to us that he loves us, what his promises are, and what he wants us to obey, his commands. He loves communicating that to us and having us listen. But he also loves listening to us and having us communicate to him. We do that through praying to him and through praising him. Here in these verses, it talks about being thankful. So, what does thankfulness look like? What does appreciation look like? Um, back on the sports field, thankfulness and appreciation might, might look kind of quiet, almost like a, a sigh of relief. Oh. As perhaps uh, an injured player who goes down on the field and is being tended to by medical personnel gets up and walks off the field. Ah, oh, this kind of, right? It's just, ah, oh, it's a sigh of relief. There's this thankfulness and appreciation that the player is okay. It, it's kind of quiet. It's not rambunctious, jump up and down cheering, but it's still a thankfulness. Your thankfulness and appreciation for God and his peace can look like that during worship. Thankfulness can look quiet and reserved. We, we sang thy word earlier. It's kind of a quiet, reserved song, and that's okay that our thankfulness can be reflected in that kind of a response and emotion. Or, woohoo! Yeah! Right? A touchdown cheer? That can be thankfulness too. I'm so glad my team scored and you do the touchdown dance and woo! And put your hands above your head and clap. We can do that in church too. So it can look differently in different ways, appreciation and thankfulness. Enjoy them all. You might have a favorite. Allow other people to have their favorite. And let's do them all on Sundays as we appreciate our God and show Him our thankfulness and let Him know what, what appreciation looks like. That is the two-way communication, why we love Sundays. It happens on Sundays in a very special way that doesn't happen in, in all ways in our own personal lives, but it happens on Sundays as we gather together, as we bring all these resources and music and message and sound system together, as we're together in a big group. And that's what makes Sunday special for me and, uh, and I hope for you too. That's how God wants to communicate. That's it. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for being a God who communicates, who is very clear with your revelation to us, uh, plainly printed in the Bible, in your word for us. Help us, God, to be good listeners. Open our hearts to trust you enough that we make you and the peace of Christ our referee in this world, even when it, it doesn't seem right or your promises are hard to believe. And let that peace of Christ make a difference for us in, in everything that we think about, that we say, and that we do and decide. Lord God, make Sunday special for us too. Uh, for us, uh, church leaders who plan it and present it, to always glorify you and be thankful for what you do in worship. For everyone who comes and sits in those chairs and, and enjoys the peace in your word. And for everyone who contributes in wonderful ways, who volunteers on Sundays, uh, and even before preparing for Sunday, that you bless them and encourage them and uh, help us show our appreciation to them by being here and appreciating you. Hear our prayers, hear our praises, Lord, and help us in our relationship with you continue in open, honest, consistent communication. Amen.